Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hey, David. It's going good. That's good. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's going good. Normally it's going you have good. a much longer I know. explanation of things. So now I question, are you sure it's okay? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sensing danger. And uh... um, So today we wanted to do, we've not talked about, we have a list of topics that we relate to personal responsibility more explicitly. And, and we sometimes get to them, sometimes don't. But today I wanted to talk about danger and freedom to fail because you know, I think it's a really important aspect of the freedom debate that's not properly talked about is, you know, we, we often focus on the fact that, you know, people who are anti-freedom claim to be, you know, more compassionate. They want to enslave us to help others, right? But really, I think part of it comes from their fear of failure, right? If they're free, if they're responsible for themselves, that means they can fail and that's dangerous and scary. But I think it's important to talk about that and highlight not just that that's probably part of their motivation, but that it's important to like for each individual to feel free to fail because, you know, talking about self-compassion and, and the way you like someone enters the world and interacts with the world, you know, I was stifled in my ability because I was so scared of failing. Like I didn't give myself freedom to fail. And so it's, again, it's one of these issues that's political and psychological that, you know, each person needs to feel like it's okay if they fail. And if they accept that in their life, then they're not scared of a system that allows them to fail. Um, Yeah. So I, I think it's a really important topic and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Mm, yeah, well, actually, you know, this is hitting home for me right now because um, I was just uh, offered this big job. It's like, um, you know, I, I've kind of been applying around for management level jobs, uh, fire chief type jobs or deputy chief. And I got um, offered not just fire chief, but the level above the fire chief, the, the protective services manager, uh, which is like a huge step up. But it comes with the freedom to fail. Um, right now, I don't really have the freedom to fail. I, I'm a union guy, and I can be, uh, you know, a lazy screw up. And, um, you know, I get a good wage, and I get all sorts of things. Um, and I never have to worry about um, really getting fired. Like, you have to be a pretty big screw up uh, to get fired uh, in a union environment. And so, yeah, it's it's very nerve wracking thinking about accepting this job and and having all this pressure to perform in, you know, and, you know, the economy isn't doing so well. So municipalities are making cuts. So I'll be expected to do more with less and um, stepping into a role that is outside my comfort zone totally because, you know, I, I put wet stuff on red stuff for a living. Now I'm, I'm entering a different thing that, you know, so, so this is hitting home for me. It's hitting home for me. Uh, I gotta, gotta say, but, um, yeah, I think my, my general approach to, to this is you're, you're absolutely right. And like the psychological reaction I'm have the resistance I'm having to accept, to just say yes, to accept this risky job, this dangerous job, um, is something that everyone faces all the time. Uh, and especially now in uncertain times, we we crave safety and comfort and security, right? And uh, in, in asking for that and in doing that, we give up, we, we trade away our liberty. 
you know, like this job, for example, the, the, the possibilities are endless where I could potentially go with that career. It could springboard me into all sorts of other avenues and make me really marketable in a number of ways. Um, but if I stay here, I'm safe for the next 20 years, you know, um, I'll have four, you know, three square meals and, but you know, will I have that, that all that freedom to choose my destiny, choose my path? No, I won't. And I think quite often people choose safety rather than, than comfort and they demand safety and then they ask government to provide safety for them. And so, um, Yeah. yeah. That's a good point because I didn't think of it that way either is people, kind of feel like they're trapped by their own requirements for safety. And it's like this idea of the exploitative employer, right? Well, I need this job. And so he's exploiting me by paying me what he thinks is fair because I have a certain standard of danger that I'm not willing to encounter. I have a certain standard of failure. I'm not willing to go out and try and find something else. I want to sit in my job for 20 years. Many people don't actually want that, but they settle into that. And unions is a funny thing uh, that they that they create an ecosystem sometimes where everyone's just safe. Um, yeah. Well. But I think, yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. You know, I used to do the opposite. I used to throw myself into danger consistently, and I was so right. scared of failure that I just fail all of the time. <laughs> like, mm. right? You have to just I just desensitize myself. Right? There's there's something like you should say hello to ten strangers a day just so you get used to rejection, right? Because right, they'll just right. ignore you, right? Yeah. And um, so it's something to be said. Like there, <laughs> people do have a fear of failure, but I think, like, I really think it's inculcated at a young age, right? Because again, if you're scared of failure, if you're scared of danger, then you need, you know, someone to protect you. You need a daddy or a yeah. mommy, right? And that's what the role the state can play for you. But yeah, it's interesting that you, you mentioned that you throw yourself into danger just, and you just kind of got used to failing or something like that. And almost, you know, almost like it became an ingrained pattern that a comforting pattern in a sense. I I've been accused of the same thing in the past by like my campaign manager who said, you know, you've got like a Jesus Christ complex or something like you, you just, you, you know, you know, you're going to be crucified. You know, you're not, like, like you're, you expect failure. And I don't understand how you can stay motivated and keep going. And, you know, that always kind of stuck with me. It's like, yeah, you know, there is some kind of uh, masochistic uh, tendency there to almost uh, sacrifice. But, you know, I think I learn a lot from failure too. And, um, and then I, I think I'm a better person for, for taking these risks that on the surface are, are failures. But the, the, the win is that I learn valuable lessons. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I took a boxing match you know, uh, on month and a half notice. Cause I thought I was going to get to fight Trudeau and I had to fight a prison guard instead. Well, I lost that match. I took a standing eight count within the first 20 seconds. Um, you know, and you know, I, I managed to slug it out and <laughs> stay in the fight. My cornerman said he'd never seen someone get hit in the head so many times and still keep going. Right. Uh, I feel like I won the, the last round, but simply because the guy was so tired of punching me in the head, he gassed out. You got uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so, but you know, okay, I lost the fight, but I, I adopt the attitude of I never lose. I either um, win or I learn, right? And and so that's kind of how I view failure. And so 
Um, you know, and, and I apply that lens everywhere. You know, I tell like I've got a paramedic student right now and uh, paramedic students are always afraid to fail, right? They want to be perfect right out of the gate, but they're not. They don't know enough. They don't have the experience. And what I tell all my paramedic students is, look, your job right now is to fail as as fast and as as possible. I want you to get in there and get in the deep end. I'll pick you up. I'll stop you from making any catastrophic mistakes, but you got to start making mistakes and you got to, you got to start honing your, your instinct you learn, and your, right? that's how you learn. And the more mistakes you make, uh, the, the sooner you'll start making the right decisions and you'll learn. So, um, yeah, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of this. And so, and I, I kind of feel like I'm talking myself into taking this job right now. I've been on the fence about it, but. But I think it's important to highlight the student aspect as well. And like what's going on with young adults generally, like it's very much this trope when I was in university that seemed accurate is that like the universities weren't allowed to let the students fail. Right. right. If a student failed, it was the university's fault. And like very much coddling these young people who have always been told that they can't go wrong. They cannot fail. They're special little mm-hmm. flowers and the world will do whatever they want it to do. And now you see they enter the real world and it doesn't do what they want it to do. And somehow they can't will it to do what they want it to do. So they're failures. Right. And so people are in this ecosystem that they can't control and they feel like a failure every single day that they're not controlling it because, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's a really widespread phenomenon, I think. And it plays both in like their, it's both someone's view of themselves, someone's view of society and then what they want society to do for them. And I don't know, I guess it really does just come from, a deep-seated fear of failure, but I don't know how that's learned, right? Because, uh, yeah, I don't know where it comes from, but I think it's it's really interesting. And, and, you know, I'm definitely interested in hearing some of our viewers or listeners what their experience is with failure, because it's not really talked about much, right? We often focus, and it's not like we should focus on failure, but right. I think it's an interesting exercise to talk about like someone's relationship with failure, not just failures yeah. they've had and they got over it, but like, okay, what am I going to do the next time I fail? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just realized last month that I ended up traveling for six months without really deciding to, it just kind of happened. And then I'm like, Oh shit. Like I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't enjoyable. So it's like, I just spent six months of my life doing something right. I didn't actually want to do. <laughs> well. And like, okay, that's interesting. Like, and I, but you I, wouldn't have learned that lesson deep in your body if you hadn't done it, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I have some theories about where this aversion to uh, danger and taking risks comes from. I think it has a lot to do with the epidemic of fatherlessness we face. You know, it, it's kind of a feminization of society. And, you know, moms do not like to see uh, their children uncomfortable or sad or disappointed or frustrated with themselves because they didn't achieve something or succeed at, at a goal or something like that. And yeah. so they, their immediate thing is to comfort and reassure, give them a participation medal. You know, you tried and that's the main thing. And um, you know, that, that is needed if for babies and toddlers, they need that unconditional just safety and security and nurturing from mom. But the role of, of dads is to take the training wheels off and let and let reality 
um, be their teacher, right? You're going to get a skin knee when we take these off. That's okay. You're going to learn and you're going to be able to ride the bike. Dads are wired to do that, right? And so, so you, you kind of need both in society, um, but we've lost that balance. We've lost that masculine, um, uh, you know, pressure to, to take risks and to, you know, there's nothing more that gives me more satisfaction as a father than to see my kids fail and keep getting up from those failures and then master something. And, you know, that is exceptionally good feeling. And, you know, but, you know, my wife is just horrified by this wants to like, you know, pad them in a safety bubble the whole time. And that's that it's the interplay between those two things. And honestly, like you don't want to be like, I remember as a young father, my kids were, I was letting them do crazy shit. Like, you know, I let my little two or three year old son jump off a picnic table. Cause he wanted to, right. Well, that was stupid. I mean, he could have broke his leg and you know, that needs to be balanced by the feminine, right? Like right. Uh, there's a time and a place. Right. And so that, that interplay between the masculine and the feminine, that's, I mean, that's where free speech comes in and, and communication comes in um, and why free speech is so important. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it certainly tipped very far to one side. Uh, you know, we, we've become, and, and it's even like in, in corporate culture, like in HR, it's safety first, right? Well, Everything is safety first. Tech and how tech is like fail fast. That's why tech is like, go, right. go, we're going to fucking like, you know, 90% of this is going to fail at least right. like, let's go. And, and you see the clash now of people not liking the tech culture because it doesn't necessarily follow this proper safety routine. And, you know, are all of the employees perfectly happy and blah, blah, blah. It's like, Right. And, and I mean, we see, we, but we see the safety culture in all HR, right? Because, you know, this feminine feminization is throughout uh, our school system, throughout our university post-secondary system. And all these people have, you know, uh, have migrated into positions of HR and HR departments are growing and their job is to do the feminine, which is to look after people, to nurture them, to keep them safe. And so, you know, we see things like I remember a few years ago in San Francisco, firefighters stood in, stood on the beach while they watched uh, this um, mentally disturbed guy drown in waist deep water because they didn't have the proper certifications to go in and they didn't want to get in trouble with their employer, right? Because their employer is safety first. And unless you have this, it's not safe for you to go in the water. This is all through this highly masculine field, what should be a highly masculine field where, you know, to me, safety should be third. You know, as Mike Rowe said, Mike Rowe <laughs> says that all the time. He said, he, he tells people safety third uh, because he just wants to shock them out of the safety first mentality. Nice. It's not like he knows what number one or two is, but um, you know, he wrote an article about that. I highly recommend our, our um, listeners check out that article, but I'm, I'm with Mike here. I, I think there's a job to do and you got to get the job done. Um, and sometimes you got to take some risks to get the job done. You got to be, you know, life is first safety is only good right. in, in, in such way that it, actually adds value to your life but many right. people are so safe that it detracts from their life they'd rather be safe than alive and i think right. that is at the core of it is people are scared to live their life and this brings it back like you need the freedom to fail i need to free to be alive which means things won't go perfectly yes if i'm automaton number 3827 i will live my life every day and uh, i mean live in quotes like i will be safe 
but I won't be alive. I won't be free because if I'm free, that means I'm responsible for myself and I could fuck up. I could make a mistake because I'm not perfect. And yeah. that's just how it is. And well, yeah. And the shit out of people. And I mean, the, the, the reality is that there's, there's a real risk with that kind of mentality, right? I mean, people don't understand the safety first it represents a real risk to them because that the natural consequence of that is agoraphobia. Like you stay inside and don't, do not venture outside where bad things can happen. What we have right now. More I, mandates government. I don't right. want to go outside. There's a scary pandemic. Please. Right. Right. Safe. I need to wear a mask. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that brings us to the point where we're at right now. This perfectly exemplifies the safety first culture that we have, right? And as if there's no risk to this, as if there's no danger in laying in your bed, like Brian Wilson, and not, you know, being too afraid to uh, engage with life at all. Um, Yeah, life out there isn't going to kill you, but your stagnation uh, and your atrophy will kill you. Uh, so y- y- there's risks no matter what you do. And uh, you need to be free to choose the risk that you want to take on. All right, Tim, are you going to take this job? What do you think? Ah, oh, man, I'm leaning towards it right now. But, you know, by the time this, uh, this episode is published, uh, we will know for sure, cool. I guess. Well, so. Good luck with the decision making. Thank you very much.